0: Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker.
1: Duncan Fraser is the owner-operator of Venator Kadrona Safaris in New Zealand. It's an operation that specializes in red stag and fallow deer and elk in the South Island. There are lots of operations sort of similar to this in the South Island. And so I've been trying to get Duncan to commit to a podcast for quite some time. And because I was there face to face, I finally nailed him down. And really, I wanted to have a conversation with him, not specifically about Venator, but about New Zealand hunting and the culture of New Zealand hunting, because we want to encourage you through this podcast, through our content, to go hunt, go explore places. And New Zealand is the mecca for places to explore if you are a hunter. The reason being is that hunting in New Zealand is matched to your wallet. If you have zero dollars in your wallet, you can fly to New Zealand, you can get a license and a hunting permit, which is zero dollars, and you can walk with the stamina and strength that's in your legs into the backcountry, into public land, and you can hunt whatever you want, whenever you want. If you have a little bit more money, you can hire someone to help you, If you have even more money still, you can go to one of these high-fenced operations like Duncan's that offers a more curated five-star type experience for your hunt in New Zealand. I hope this podcast inspires you to go, go to New Zealand, go hunt New Zealand and just do a little bit of research and see what, what it's like because there's so much to offer when it comes to what you can hunt in New Zealand. Uh, two years? I thought I
2: was going to get away with it again.
1: <laughs> Rebecca pulled up outside. She's like, "What do you What do you got planned this afternoon?" I said, "I'm going to podcast with Duncan." And her eyes like got big. And I said, "I know I've been chasing him for two years, and now he can't he can't run away from me because I'm here in person, face to face."
2: Yeah, you cornered me this time.
1: I had to come to Wanaka, you know, just hey. to like. By the way, that buffalo print
2: is magnificent. It's pretty cool, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got that from uh from one of our friends from Europe, from Belgium as a wedding present. Oh, it's a wedding gift? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's magnificent. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's exactly the kind of art that I love. Yeah. And then I saw you had a um you had a Sarah Trumbull piece? Yes, we downstairs. have Downstairs?
2: Yeah, we've got uh I think there's three or four upstairs, three or four downstairs. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. It
1: yeah. Was, it was the first piece of art that I um That I bought original. I've you know became an adult. Bought the true original Sarah Trumbull. She made this buffalo, right, with like the measurements and whatnots. That's cool. And I said I'll buy one.
2: Yeah, it works awesome. When we were uh, doing the renovations on this place, we were looking for some for some art of uh, the New Zealand game animals to put. You know, how did you come across it? Uh, I can't remember. I think I just uh, had seen her stuff come up on Facebook and yeah, Instagram, and on Instagram, and <laughs> thought it was always really cool. You know, um, it's an amazing thing, Instagram, huh? It is. It's great. Meet people from all around the world. It's all unbelievable, world. man. Unbelievable. All over the world. So you yeah, know, we're pretty pretty fortunate. We've got those pieces, uh, those pieces in the lodge, and then we've got some other cool pieces from uh, from a guy from the North Island, Mary Matushka, who was one of the. Early, early guys in deer farming and uh live animal mm. capture and everything in New Zealand. I'll show you those later, but they're all in like black and white. Um so we got got all of the seven deer species. Uh what deer species are here in New Zealand? Uh red deer, fallow deer, elk seeker, wapiti, Yeah, uh, yep. elk wapiti, seeker samba, rusa. Oh so uh, you do have rusa? Yep, in the North Island. Kay. Seeker rusa on the North Island. Okay. Um fellow whitetail. Whitetail. Shit.
1: Yeah. Duncan Fraser. Yeah. Welcome
2: to the Blood Origins podcast. Thanks. Finally. Finally. Good things take time, they say. <laughs> uh introduce yourself, who you are, what you do. Uh so yeah, Duncan Fraser, uh owner operator of Vina Torca Safaris. Um so own and operate hunting business based here in Wanaka in the South Island of New Zealand. Nice. But you've also got places in Spain. You've got yeah. places in Canada. Yeah, we do some stuff in Spain and uh, and also up in Canada, up in Quebec. So, um, run a couple of operations up there, um, and pretty pretty soon to be shifting uh, the Canada operation to Oklahoma.
1: Oklahoma? Huh? Yeah, Oklahoma. I know. I didn't want to. I didn't want to say anything because I know yeah. the last time we spoke, you are like oh, it's a little hush
2: hush. Yeah, so, yeah. That you decide. So no, Texas didn't work out. Um, yeah. We've, Spent probably five or six years looking looking over a lot of country in Texas and, and Oklahoma, and um, we always thought it was probably going to be in Texas, but um, we couldn't really zero in on any uh, specific area terrain-wise that we really liked mm. for where we uh, feel that red stag should, and, and elk should be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also in the last probably 18 to 24 months, he's obviously been a lot of changes in sure, Texas around especially around cervid species. I mean sure. more specific around Whitetail, but um obviously, you know, it makes us feel a little bit nervous around if they uh, if they keep going the way they are with uh, with Whitetail then what, what what next. Sure, sure, sure. So, um Oklahoma seems to be a bit more uh a bit more free and a little bit more open to working with people um on some of those sort of species. So um cool. We thought we'd go, go to Oklahoma. Nice. Well,
1: I wanted to talk to you specifically. New Zealand is an, an amazing, amazing, amazing hunting destination. Yep. Um. So I know people, we, we've done a lot of work. We've done a lot of series. We've done a little, lot of videos on like saying people come.
2: Come to New Zealand, come hunt. Yep. You grew up here? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Didn't grow up in Monaco specifically. Grew up about three hours from here. Uh, Where was that? In the Hunter Hills, so uh, just south of Timmer, it's kind of halfway between halfway between Christchurch and Dunedin, um uh, okay. in the foothills uh of South Canterbury. So
1: What did you chase as a youngster? Uh Did just, you hunt as a youngster? Yeah, I
2: did hunt as a youngster, so yeah, I was pretty fortunate. Um I grew up with uh with with hunting. Um, not through my father. My father's not a hunter. Really? But uh my uncle as Michael's been in the hunting business in New Zealand for I don't know, thirty or thirty-five years. And when you say he's been in the hunting business, he's been an so, outfitter, or so what? he's oh, an no. Been an outfitter, so he's uh, he started off uh, when he was eighteen or nineteen, um, going to America and guiding, and then after that he worked uh, worked up at Lilybank Station, which at the time was kind of it was kind of right at the forefront of guided hunting in New Zealand okay. with Gary Joel. Uh, then he shifted from there and went to um, a property, Foveran Station. Uh, in the late 80s early 90s and set up a operation for Bob Robertson um, and then from there shifted back to our home property to a family family property and set up uh, set up hunting business there so my father was always the farmer okay and the family and Michael was the run the hunting but business but dad didn't have an issue with hunting no not at, all, like not at all not at all was just something that he um he just had other things he was yeah, like he I'm, a, I'm a farmer yep. I've got other priorities yeah he just didn't uh, never never really got into hunting and had other hobbies you know playing sport and rugby and basketball and and then on the farm so it was just something that uh that never really grabbed him much hmm. so um so yeah I was you know obviously pretty uh pretty lucky and pretty fortunate to grow up um on the farm on the family farm with Michael operating the business there. What did you chase when oh, you Oh geez so I started off shooting rabbits and then from rabbits to wallabies and um wallabies and wild pigs and stuff like that was kind of uh kind of what I started off with so. Did you migrate
1: as you when did you start when did you enter into the hunting industry?
2: Uh, so I left school when I was seventeen. Uh, when I did my commercial helicopter license, thought I was going to that was kind of what I wanted to do was Just be a be helicopter a heli pilot. pilot.: yeah be a helicopter pilot. so um, I worked at home with Dad on the farm, and in between that studied and uh, did my helicopter license. so I did a stunt, did my private license and then came back home and worked uh, on the farm for probably four or five months and self-studied at the same time, did all my exams for my commercial license, and then uh, went back to the North Island again, did my commercial helicopter license, and I was about two days away from leaving to fly to the country. I was um, bound to head up to Guam and fly off the tuna boats. Oh, really? Yeah, so I had a contract, and I was really close to uh, literally a couple of days away from flying away to do that. And then just yeah, a couple of things didn't transpire, and I ended up staying home and yeah. uh, didn't go. And then uh, and then started started getting into the hunting, into the guiding. So, how long have you been? How long has Venator Cadrono been around? So yeah, obviously it's, it's uh, been a combination of a few businesses. So I started after after I didn't kind of follow the helicopter dream. I uh, spent a bit of time guiding for my uncle. Um, so I did a bit with him, and then it was so. Oh, that was your entry. Yeah, yeah entry. So I did a little bit with him, and then it was so. I spent a a year and a half guiding for Gary Herbert. Um, you know, was, you know, at the time when still was, at, you know, at the forefront of the guiding sure, sure. industry in New Zealand. Um, and then after that, I I left there and started out on my own. So I think I started Sweet. out when I was uh, like eighteen or nineteen. Wow. Started my own business, based back at our at our family farm at Mount Cecil. Um, and at the time I kind of. Solely focused on the European market. Mm. Um, obviously, you know the American market's not a super easy market to enter, as far as you know, getting into the major trade shows into Safari Club, Dallas Safari Club. Um, so kind of, uh, yeah. I Just thought there your was way up the ranks. Thought there was a bit of a niche in uh, in Europe. There wasn't really anyone solely focusing on the European market. So, um. Got online, taught myself how to use uh, Adobe InDesign, designed my first brochure, <laughs> nice. booked some trade shows uh, in Europe, went to Germany, Austria, Spain, and, uh, yeah, went over there and, and travelled and did some trade shows. And I think we came away the first year with one, booking one client. Oh, nice. and we, we were stuck, so <laughs> it all kind of started from there. We spent, uh, I think, three or four years back there um, under Mount Cecil Safaris, and then the opportunity came up to buy Cadrona Safaris. Um, so we brought that, which was which was based here in Wanaka, mm-hmm. um, and for probably two or three years I op- operated both businesses side by side. So still kept Mount Cecil Safaris operated that back at our home uh, home location, and then operated Kedrona Safaris down here in Wanaka. And uh, you know, obviously a little bit challenging the three hours sure, apart, sure. Um, and then made the decision to shift everything down to Wanaka. It was, yeah. You know, Wanaka, Queenstown's really the tourism mecca uh-huh. for um for New Zealand. You know, there's obviously so much more to offer just than hunting. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So yeah, made the decision to move down here and um kind of spent a year operating, then and then made the you know the decision to rebrand and to kind of bring everything together. Um, where did the Venator come from? Um, we spent a lot of time just trying to come up with names, and and I think. Uh, one of the things I really wanted to achieve out is that I didn't want a name that was geographically bound. You know, a lot of hunting operations are named after yeah. an area. Yeah. Yeah. Um So I didn't want that, and I didn't want it to be after me. I wanted to try and build value in a brand, mm-hmm. but at some stage down the road, if we want to sell it or want to get out or whatever, you sure, know, sure, there is some long-term lasting value. So yeah, we you know had a uh, got some marketing companies involved and spent a lot of time trying to come up some different names and uh I don't know why, but yeah we landed on Venator, like the sound of it and, sure, and it sure. means means hunter in Latin so oh, cool. thought it was uh That's thought it was good. pretty appropriate. Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
1: So someone who is listening to you we again we've talked about New Zealand a lot. You're a local. You've been hunting here all your life. Like let's I I didn't even know how to like set the scene, like you can hunt anywhere you want in
2: New Zealand, pretty much, right? Yep. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of public land hunting, a lot of private land hunting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's degreeing levels of of hunting, right? There's, you know, there's something for everyone here, from you know the DIY do it yourself to to obviously to the end of the spectrum that we operate in with uh you know with five star lodging, um, and you know white glove service from from end to end as far as you know. Mm-hmm. Dining, just non-hunting, touring, everything. You bring know. your wives. Bring, bring your wives.
1: Spas, exactly wineries. everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: So, you take care of the spas and the winery yeah, side we of things. Do everything. No, no I mean, I'm no, me, yeah. oh, not me personally. I mean, I can't take credit for that, Robert. <laughs> so. Um. So let's
1: just talk about. I want to sort of maybe even tap back into your sort of younger days. If someone was to say, okay, yeah, I'm interested in coming to New Zealand, but I have nothing. Mm -hmm. I have no money.
2: You can still hunt. Yeah, you can.
1: So what would somebody, what would you
2: suggest they do? I mean, obviously there's a lot of forums and a lot of of online stuff you can do. But, um, yeah, I think there's still... What would you suggest they come after first? Because you said there's seven species. We didn't even say you
1: have seven deer species. Then you have tar. Then you have chamois. Yep. What else? That's it. That's yeah, it. Really. I and mean,
2: then you've obviously got you know wild boar, wallabies. Oh, you got pigs, of, pigs, and pigs, and you all got all, you sort of got
1: stuff. turkeys. Yep. Like I'm a turkey hunter. Yep. And uh, I was telling to someone, chatting to someone on the North Island. I was like, man, I just I'm obsessed with turkey hunting. You know, three days chasing the same bird, and they're just looking at me super quizzically, and they're like, you only shoot one bird. I was like, sometimes we don't even get the bird. They're like, I shot 10 yesterday. I was like, what? You shot 10? He's like, yeah, some of them we just shot, you know, shoot off the limb and In And obviously in, in America right now, like the whole turkey, it's turkey, turkey season, season, turkey culture, ethics, and ethos, and letting the bird win. And, you know, it's okay to let the bird win. And <laughs> these guys are like, yeah, we shoot them off the telephone wire. We shoot them off the, <laughs> the cattle fencing. If you're good, you can really sneak up to them, and actually grab them by the legs whilst they're on the cattle wire. <laughs> Turkeys are a pest, yeah,
2: they are in places, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, yes. I mean, obviously, the the uh, the degree of opportunity for people uh, internationally to come to New Zealand and hunt, um, like you said, if the at a beginner level, you know, there's there's a lot of opportunity.
1: Um, and there's also, and um, Lewis and I were talking about this today. It's it's almost. There's there's an opportunity here in New Zealand for true 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 adventure hunting. There is, i.e., like we were driving in from Te Anau along Lake Waki Waki Tapi, on the other side, Lewis gave us a a download of Half Moon Bay Station. Mm -hmm. Eighteen, it was just he just it just. And it just sold, he said? Yeah, it did. How much, do you know how much it sold for?
2: Uh, I think it was close to... It was somewhere in the vicinity of 35 to 40 million New Zealand.
1: Yeah. Yep. Seven miles of lakefront, world-class trout fishing, heli, private heli skiing.
2: Jeez, I'm impressed Lewis knew about that.
1: No, he was, he, he, uh, he was right. reading it off Google.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that makes sense, I was about to say. I didn't think his general knowledge was that great. But
1: what he was saying <laughs> is that the public land behind it, you could almost enter... And you could walk in a straight line for ten days. Who knows what you're gonna find? Yeah. True, true, true adventure. Yeah. That, you know, all it would require is a ticket from the States. What's a typical ticket from the States? Eighteen hundred bucks? Yeah, probably eighteen hundred to early two thousands. You can
2: direct flight into Auckland. Any South Islands that you can direct flight into? Um, pretty shortly there's going to be some direct flights out of Christchurch to San Fran with, okay. uh, with United so right now um, it's just Auckland right yeah just Auckland
1: Auckland and then down to Queenstown down to Queenstown down to Queenstown Christchurch yeah and you could literally walk in you know rent a car whatever hitchhike and really go and have an adventure of adventures let people know where you are because it's you've got some country here a lot of country but yeah. when I mean country, I mean some scary country.
2: Oh yeah, this you know and, and uh, that is actually uh, it can be quite an issue with a lot of our international hunters coming in. Um, you know, people that are coming in trying to do it uh, do it on their own account. Um, you know, there is accidents and and uh, a lot of people underestimate the country that they're going into.
1: But even the you know the ballot for the the Wapiti. Yep. I was talking again to Lewis and Jack, probably, could arguably be put up against the hardest hunt in the world. Yep. Weather. Weather. Terrain. Terrain. Low density of animals. Yep. A culture of shooting very, very, very mature animals. Yep. And oh, yeah. rivers that would come up eight meters oh, in crazy. a night.
2: That is, that country there is so unforgiving, it's not.
1: Sand flies like crazy. Yep steep jagged peg peaks and the guy said i said how often do you have people like hurt themselves he says we get a lot of people calling emergency rescue not for being hurt but for getting into a location and not being able to get out, yep, get out. Yep. we're on a cliff face we can't get down we can't go yep. up we're stuck yep.
2: which is a little bit hard to fathom right until you go there and see the country You've, yeah. But you've been there now, so you can understand it.
1: Well, just, you know, when you, we, they were talking about U-shaped valleys, glacial valleys, U-shaped valleys. And we walked the valley bottom for a kilometer and a half, putting traps down. You didn't really get the scale of the size of the valleys, the, the sort of where it came up, yeah. until you got in a helicopter. And then it was like, holy shit. Right. Like, you can't walk up that. It's impossible. You have to wait for a, a, a valley to sort of intersect with that valley to be able to then go up the side of the river, yep. and find hopefully a spine or ridge that's coming down that has a 45 degree slope that you can walk up.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. Jeez, man. But yeah, you've had a good chance to uh, to have a look around between uh, doing the doing right down in the fjordland with the with the yep. uh, Wapiti Foundation and yep. then some tar stuff at Lock Harbour and and uh, then also the North Island. So. Yeah, Kaimana was. Yeah, and the Kaimana like the Kaimana
1: was. was absolutely legitimate. You could fly into Auckland, rent a car, or take a bus. If if you've got no money, like let's just say you got a little bit of money. Rent a car. You could drive down to Poronui. Mm-hmm. You know Poronui. No, oh, well. You could park right there. Now that I know it, you could park right there at the dock parking lot or at Helisika. Seeker. And you can walk in through Poronui. It's probably 18 kilometers. You walk on a road, walk through the private hunting station, into the Kaimanawas, and there's backcountry huts that you can go to. It's free. Yep. Actually, it's $5. Nobody's going to check if you have no money again. And you can go hunt and stay in these huts. It's easy to get a gun into the
2: to New Zealand. Uh, Somewhat. It's getting more and more challenging. It's getting more challenging. Yeah, it's a lot more challenging. So the the uh the process as of the last kind of six, twelve months is pushed out to a minimum of minimum of four months basically processing time.
1: To get your to bring a firearm to into get the your country. permit. Yep. And permit. Well, that's just that's just planning ahead.
2: Yep. And then even after that, you know, they're wanting more and more information around where the firearm's gonna be stored, uh-huh. secure storage, kind uh-huh. of what you're doing, where you're going. Mhm. Uh-huh. So I think you'll see uh you Know some more and more challenges and more regulation around that stuff, um, which for me isn't a bad thing, you know. I, you know, how often we to, do you
1: have clients that come in here with their own guns? You uh, have, you less have guns and for less, less right? and less.
2: I mean, it used to probably be, um, 80% of our clients would bring their rifles, 20% okay. wouldn't. Now, I'd say we're probably 80 or 90% flip flopped, yeah, using our rifles and 10% bringing them up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is just around the, the length of process and just the whole rigmarole of, uh of this process, you know, basically basically now people are using the same portal for the, to supply their information for the firearms process is what we use for our passport. Oh, if wow. we apply for a passport. So it's wow. you know, it's uh it's a pretty full on, pretty invasive sort of uh process really to go through. Mm. Um, but, you know, some people wanna some people want to use their rifle and um they're pretty stuck on that. But, you know, we've There's got There's really no need. No, I mean we've got thirty odd firearms at least here from people to pick through from. Know, some of the finest European firearms, um, to Takers and Blazers and Winchester's and Brown's and, and Begaras. and yeah, I mean we've got such a range of firearms it's not mm-hmm. funny. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, actually, what yeah what I was actually going to touch on is you know you've uh, you've been pretty fortunate to see some, you know probably three locations that are uh, doing some great work around their management of game animals. Hundred um, percent. But as a whole, New Zealand's very poor. Mm-hmm. On the game management, mm-hmm. and um, you know, it's something I definitely—you got, definitely yeah, you've got a, a phenomenal resource, phenomenal resource, poorly uh, managed, very poorly managed. And you know, um, like you said, people can come here and hunt at the moment, and, and I, I'm not personally fully in agreement with that. I'd like to see some change to that. I think there's an industry there for for some sort of guiding for Agreed. international hunters um, that well, are coming up. just, even just look and and you probably know this and
1: experience it and have a very strong opinion about it new zealand hunters will not say yes to a license system no 30 bucks 50 bucks whatever it is yeah oh, fuck that man it's our privilege it's our right but We're it's, it's, hunt it's as so much it's, as we want.
2: i i can not i'm not sure where that comes from though you know because people are happy to pay for a fishing license and they're happy to pay for a duck shooting license oh so you have a fishing so license so we have a fishing license and we have a duck shooting license but they will refuse. And so, the, and so those, t- those two are very well managed. Or, I mean, very well managed in comparison to big game. Right? Well, at least there's resources there for things to be done. Exactly. Whereas, uh, you know, where I probably don't agree with uh, with the freedom around international hunters coming in, you know, we we have uh, seen examples of, um, you know, some young people coming out of, uh, out of Scandinavia and coming in and, and we've seen it where they've taken the trophies to the taxidermist and they've shot, you know they've got onto a mob of chamois, and instead of picking out one nice old male or an old female, they have shot the whole mob. Oh, and, I heard and, about that. And they've taken like fifteen chamois to the, you know, to the taxidermist, ranging from, you know, like nice mature males to to Nothing animals worse. that are, you know, six months. And, mm. and it's, you know, when you're in this business and that's kind of livelihood and what we do, it's really tough to see, and sure. it's, it is something that I have, you know, some pretty strong opinion on. Uh, opinions on I would like to see some change to it
1: why, what, why is so what I wanted to say is I, I can I see the reluctance on the resident side I actually now don't see it as as clearly as I did because you just telling me there's a duck hunting license and a fishing license yeah but I could certainly easily see a non-resident international when you apply for your hunting license like we had to apply for our hunting license in Kamanoa right yeah. it was free yeah but if there is a checkbox that says "Are you a resident or non-resident?" Yep. As soon as you click the non-resident, it's five hundred bucks. Yep. And there's tag restrictions. Exactly. Or something like that.
2: Yeah. No, I mean, I think there's definitely got to be some change. But I think, yeah, you know, as I said, you've you've been to some places where um, some little pockets that are doing some great stuff. Amazing stuff. You know, some awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. But when you've got a government and a government and power that doesn't. Uh, doesn't see these animals as a, as a resource. They, you know, as a, as a large, they see them as a pest. Mm. Um, but didn't they just get the language changed? The game animal council, I think, with Tim I mean, Gale, they're, just they're got they are working game on resource. Yeah. I
1: think added into the game management. Plan. They're
2: making they're making some really good progress, mm. but you know, largely in the past, that you know, that's sure. what it's been. You know, it, it hasn't hasn't been seen as uh, as a value. Well, the thing is, it's. It's not seeing
1: different things in different ways. Exactly. They're classing a red stag, a tar, a chamois that has value yep. beyond – it has value. Meat, experience, adventure, uh, international clients willing to pay a lot of money as the, in the same category as a stoat yep. and a rat yep. and a hedgehog. There's clearly differences. Yeah, huge difference in terms of pest, you know, language. Yeah. So, people that are have a little bit more resource. Um, lots of independent guides here in New Zealand that there's, have access to like, um, like I know Snow Hewitson, for instance. Snow Hewitson, independent guide, has yep. a little company, but has a very good reputation. And as you mentioned earlier, there's lots of uh, cattle stations, yep. uh, cattle, sheep, sheep stations, stations that have good wildlife on it, and yep. these guides have, access. You know, access and
2: leases. Yep. so you could do that. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, as yeah, as far as the guided guided industry, you know, you've got a you've got a kind uh, co- kind of options for everyone, right? Depending on what they're looking for, like you said, from people that do uh, fly and tar and chamois hunts on the west coast, or you know, through the through the mountains um in the southern Alps to. People that have got you know good hunting access rights on on sheep stations mm. that are you know pretty rich with tar and how would you find those people, Duncan? Um, so there's pretty um, the New Zealand Professional Hunting Guide organisations, um, pretty good resource to look at. Okay. Um, and obviously, as I said, you've kind of got varying degree of members on there from from people that are offering that sort of stuff to to uh, to full on outfitters. You know, um, operating in the spectrum like we are with you know five star lodges and um experiences and and everything else like that so depending on what your budget is and what you're looking for in new zealand there is outfitters that can kind of offer it for you Mm. so so
1: and then the the top end you just mentioned is what you guys are offering yep and there's other people like you guys
2: here in new zealand yep there is yep yep there's uh there's there's a handful of us of us that you know operate uh Operate at the level that we're at um, with five-star lodges, you know, all of our own private, uh, not all, but, you know, what private areas. What do typically people
1: come in here for? They come in here for a week of hunting? Yeah,
2: normally for a week. So most of our hunts kind of start on a Sunday run through a Saturday. Um, and, you know, during that time, a and lot you're of... you're just
1: operating here on the South Island?
2: Yeah, predominantly. We do a little bit of stuff in the North Island as well. Um, okay. Just specifically if people are coming in and they want to do both islands. And and um, if
1: they want to do North Island stuff, they're hitting the Seeker, the Russo, yeah, the Sambar specifically. Yeah,
2: so normally work with Poronui up there. Okay, cool. On, uh, on those species, yeah. Um, we met Steve Smith. Yeah, and uh, f- fantastic. And we actually
1: we what was cool about Poronui is we were we were in the Kaimanawas at the peak of the rut, the Seeker rut, and uh, it was pouring with rain for four days. Jack was pissed, like, and rightfully so. When Jack gets upset, he's not upset at you. He's upset at the situation because he knows that if he got moisture into the camera, we still had Snow Hewittson, we still had and it would yeah. be messed up. But we came, we heard a bunch of sto- roaring when we were in the public ground. And then we went into Poronui, we chatted with Steve, and then we did a drive around Poronui. And Cam said, He's like, come, let's go to this. There's where, have you been to Poronui? Yep. Sure. So you know where the Blake is? Yep. There's that big swamp, that big swamp flat Straight underneath down below, it. Yeah. We just pulled up next to it, and we walked to the edge, and it's just misting rain kind of thing. And all you, the first thing we hit the, at the edge, we just hear this, it was just like, holy shit, what was that? And then another one, and then another one, and then Cam started doing it, and Josh started doing it, and two monster seekers came, like, through the swamps like this. That's it was awesome. It was all, chasing hinds, and all you could see was the white tips of their horn, uh, the antlers coming through the top. Crazy place. Crazy place. Yeah really good stags everywhere yeah yeah phenomenal yeah so okay man so if if sounds like again we've talked about this before new zealand
2: tons of opportunity what about duck hunting
1: i've never talked to we haven't i've never mentioned duck hunting at all
2: yeah I man. there's a lot of fantastic duck hunting yeah so it's getting getting ready uh getting ready for opening shooting soon what is it next uh next weekend is the opening of duck shooting first weekend in may I was. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a pretty big thing around
1: here. I was talking to Roy Sloan, and um, he was talking about the Southlanders. I, was like, I said to him, I said, you mean the South Islanders? He's like, no, 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 no. The Southlanders. Southlanders. Yeah. And he was like, what did he say about duck hunting?
2: He's like, you're actually, like, looked down upon if you don't duck hunt oh, yeah, in Southland. Pretty big thing. <laughs> It's pretty big throughout the whole country, to be honest. Opening weekends are pretty, uh, pretty like so- you're not getting anything done the opening weekend. Nah, it's pretty social, mm-hmm. pretty social. Look, you know, good time for a lot of friends to catch up and shoot ducks and have fun and. But good quality duck hunting. Yeah, people? some fantastic quality duck hunting. All resident populations, no mm-hmm. migratory. All resident and yep. and some pretty good bag limits as well. Yep. depending on where you are, but this, uh, you know, um, like we we're, we're my f- um, family farmers, like we're. Uh, Mixed bag of 50 ducks a day. Holy shit. Yeah. Per person? Per person.
1: I, I noticed when I started duck hunting, I started talking about duck hunting, your expression changed. It's almost like, Robbie, shut up. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. <laughs> Don't tell the world that we have world-class uh, duck hunting down here.
2: Yeah. So, um, yeah, some pretty good duck hunting, and then a lot of Canadian geese, black swans.
1: Well, I heard Canadian geese is, again, a prime example of what's happened in New Zealand. Canadian geese, you couldn't shoot... When couldn't you shoot
2: them in the early two thousands, right? Yeah, I'm not actually exactly sure when it was, but I mean, like you said, they've gone. I've but... got pictures
1: of my grandfather. I I'll tend to. I'll take a picture of his book. There's one picture in the, in his book. It's The only thing my grandfather hunted in New Zealand was really? Canada goose, and uh, it was him and a buddy. And there's this old landy in the picture, and there's this lake. I'd have to I, now that I've been here. I really want to go back and read that story. Because that's what he came here to do, was shoot Canada geese. And I think they shot, I don't know, maybe 18 or whatnot. But it was probably at a time when the population started going down, 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 and the government said, all right, no more, they're protected.
2: And now they're a pest. Yeah, gone from one extreme to the other. Now it's like, shoot as many as you can. Yeah, they've even opened up other special seasons for them, just to try and control the numbers. Holy smokes. So what's your, uh, obviously you travel a lot, and, and, uh, you know get around the world and see a lot of uh, uh, interesting hunting Mm. uh, areas and operations. What's your uh, take on New Zealand since you've been here? You know, it's funny. New Zealand, you think of New Zealand as a first world country.
1: Yet you guys seem to be like 10 years behind the rest of the world somehow. Like just like in Wi-Fi network. It's 3G everywhere for the most part. Yeah there's places that have zero Wi-Fi network, zero network on major highways. Yeah. Your major highways are two single lane <laughs> roads through your country. There's no shoulder to them. Um, but then again, the landscape, it's almost, again, it's, it's primordial. Like Kaimanos was primordial. The amount of moss and ferns and the fjordlands were like as, as, as Lewis said, it's like the trees are like extensions of the earth yeah. because there's just the diversity of epiphytes living on the tree is unbelievable. And the landscape is just it's beautiful and harsh at the same time. And diverse. And diverse. Incredibly, incredibly diverse. Rainforest to alpine tussocks in the same like mountain range because you've got such height to the, to the mountain range. No, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I loved being, you know, we, we got an afternoon to go hunting for seeker, And Jack and I got in amongst one that was roaring. And it was in the place. It was just soft and quiet. And all you had was the seek of roaring. And we were completely stealthy, like ninjas. And it was just, it was it. It was like the place, the feel of it. We were in his, his scrapes everywhere we were in his bedroom. He was knocking like large chunks of moss off the trees themselves. And... That's cool. They never saw him.
2: That's what we do it for.
1: Yeah, stealthy bugger. Yeah. So no, I really, really enjoyed it, and uh, I don't know when we'll be back, man. Uh well, You know what? We we will be back because these films that we've created are already one. We're probably going to put a bunch of them into the New Zealand. International Film Festival in Auckland. But the Seeker show now is in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. They're going to, I said to them, I said, let's put on, um, do like a film night. We'll put the Seeker film into that film night kind of scenario, raise some money, raise some awareness. And then uh, the Fjordland Wapiti Foundation starting their first show in July. Uh, The Wapiti, the winter Wapiti weekend or the weekend. Winter Wapiti Weekend, three Ws. Right. So one day we'll 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 be back and
2: put That's our film cool. in there and So what uh what programs are you supporting in New Zealand at the moment? Seeker Foundation. Seeker Foundation. Seeker Foundation, Fiordland
1: Wapity Foundation, Eastern Fiolink. Do you know Sam Hamiora Gibson? No. He's a Maori guy on North Island, It's okay. phenomenal work. He's like picked up a watershed by himself and he's adding to it and whatnot. It's really young guy. Um really good. Uh, caused a little bit of a controversy when he was like, he, did, he said something about deer being pests or something like that, and that was a little controversial as you can expect, right? <laughs> uh, but he's retracted that, and he talks about animals now as predators that need to be managed and resource, game resources that need to be looked after. Um, but yeah, you've got, and then the TAR Foundation, the TAR Foundation has need, we just, we just didn't have enough funding in this initial funding round to... Give the Tar Foundation some work, but yep. they've got some great ideas in terms of what they want to do. The Wapiti Foundation has a great idea of working with the Kia Conservation Trust, um, get some youth working and workers in there. But obviously, COVID, as you have probably felt, COVID stopped the sort of youth core yeah. from going out and doing a any stuff. work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. If anybody is, uh, they've interested, they, they've heard you, they've heard what we've been talking about. They're like, man, I want to check out Venator.
2: Where can they find you? Online, Venator.co, or uh, obviously, you know, we're at a at a lot of trade shows uh, up in the states as well. So, um, and yeah, we're proud to proud to support Blood yeah, Origins and, and be part of yeah I, be part of what you guys are doing. Yeah, well, we appreciate you, um,
1: you know, stepping up and. I think you're the only... No, there's two people in New Zealand supporting us. You and an engineering company on the North Island. An engineering company? Engineering company. Rosie Rosie Tong Okay. and her husband run an engineering company and just love what we do. And they give us 50 bucks a month. Awesome. It's amazing. I love blue-collared companies. We've got a bunch of blue-collared companies that just... Uh, yeah, we're hunters. We've never really had an outlet for our company like from a donation perspective. Yeah, we'll support you.
2: Awesome. I'll well, hopefully uh hopefully some more New Zealand outfitters jump on board and, and support what uh what Blood Origins are doing and um we'll yeah, get it's after them. Awesome to see you down here uh supporting, you know, some of our, our uh foundations. Yeah. Well, Tar Foundation and Wapiti Foundation and you know all the stuff that you're doing with, with these various organizations. hundred percent, man.
1: Appreciate the hospitality. Let me crash. No get problem. some lunch and some dinner. Good to see you. Yeah,
2: buddy. Glad for you to stop on.